Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is November the 4th, 2020. This is Wednesday, and it is episode 2767. I have Draith Kata on Pirate Chain, the ultimate privacy cryptocurrency with you today. And I'm going to tell you, that when I first got the request for this, I wasn't sure if I was going to have him on. Because like, oh boy, another cryptocurrency, another privacy coin, whatever. Uh, I even asked some of you guys on, on on social media, and I didn't get a huge amount of feedback, and that made me even more likely not to do it. And I think a lot of y'all felt the same way. Oh boy, another crypto, another sub $1 crypto coin that's going to change the world or whatever. Then I decided, well, my job is to bring you things that you wouldn't find or hear about otherwise. To do something for you that's different, if that thing is good. So I started digging into the Pirate Chain project, and I'm excited about today's interview. I'm blown away at how much this project is doing. I'm blown away at how this cryptocurrency works I'm blown away at being able to tell you that you truly can have a way to do commerce with 100% privacy. And I want to lead off today with our quote of the day. It's uh, by Bruce Schneer, who is a, uh, a American technologist and privacy advocate. And this is what he said about privacy. And I, I, I could not agree more with this quote, which is why I picked it for today's show. Privacy is an inherent human right and a requirement for maintaining the human condition with dignity and respect. If you don't have a right to privacy with your money and who you do business with and how you choose to do business with them, you don't have any privacy at all. The most fundamental thing that we do as human beings to sustain our existence without having to do everything for ourselves is the voluntary exchange of value for value. And this is where I think a lot of people still fall short on understanding what cryptocurrency is and why it works. All money is is a system of accounting. Money is not money the way that you've been taught that it is. It is simply an implement to allow for an accounting that I have given you this thing and I don't have anything that you want right now, so we can't do direct barter. You wanted to sell me a knife, and I'm like, would you take seeds? Would you take some plants? Would you take, uh, I don't know, a different knife that I don't want anymore, a hat, a, a baseball bat, whatever. And you're like, I don't want any of that. I just want you to have my knife since you want it, and I need a way to get some things that I do want that you don't have. So we use money is what we call it. All it is is a freaking form of a ledger, and that is what cryptocurrency is. And for most of human history, commerce was private because it was some form of physical currency that was exchanged. And for most of human history, there might have been a picture of an emperor or something like that on it, but it was a coin. It did not have a ser even a serial number on it. So this coin could have been from anybody and gone anywhere and done anything, and it doesn't matter since it's made out of silver or bronze or what have you, and it has the official seal of the emperor on it and it's not been filed off at the sides, it has an intrinsic value, so we know that. Cryptocurrency, like any form of currency that's not a physical currency that has intrinsic value because of, let's say, a metal it's made out of, simply derives its value from being exchanged, value for value, and in the fact that you can trust it and it can't be counterfeited. And that's why cryptocurrency works. That's why some of y'all that are like, it's tulip mania. It's been freaking 15 years, folks. It's, it's not going away. But what it is do is get, is getting better. I recently talked about how I said in the future, Monero will look like child's play when it comes to privacy. And I even explained it. Since I've, since I've even explained that, I've learned more about pirate chain. Here it is. I'm about to give it to you. I'm about to show you a way that you can exchange currency with other people and good freaking luck to anybody that wants to figure it out. 
And I'll be telling you more, maybe not till after the workshop. I'm going to be bouncing some ideas around with some people about how you can start maybe earning some cryptocurrency that ain't got nothing to do with mining and it ain't got nothing to do with cryptocurrency directly. And this might be a really good currency to accept in doing that. I also think this might be, might, 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 didn't say is, might be a decent investment opportunity. It's trading at a very low price, if, especially if you already have like some Bitcoin, you can get on some of these exchanges and, you know, just, just get some and have a little bit because it is, it is, in my opinion, undervalued based on my understanding of what it does. Again, I was not sold on this interview by the sheet alone and yet another crypto. When I looked into this, I listened to a couple interviews with Drake who we're about to bring on with some other people, and my God, it just keeps going what this can do. And so will it work? Will it be long-term successful? I can't guarantee that. But, boy, this is the type of project that gets me excited. I think you'll understand why in just a minute when I bring him on. However, first, let me remind you, we've got two sponsors of the day today that uh, support this show, and you can help support us by doing business with them. Uh, first up today, westernbotanicals.com. Hey, if it's herbal and legal in the United States, I guess other than CBD because they don't do that, you can find it at Western Botanicals, and it will be organically grown or wild harvested, one or the other, because you can't call something wild harvested organic, which is stupid, but it's true. So you get one or the other when it comes to Western Botanicals. They've got everything, and they're real people that really care about you. Learn more at westernbotanicals.com. Next up, we're talking about privacy today. and Without privacy, there is no liberty. That, that's something that I, I fundamentally believe. And liberty is the most precious thing in the world to me. The organization I know doing the most for liberty in this country today is the Free State Project up in New Hampshire. Why don't you check it out? You can go to fsp.org to check it out. If you want to visit New Hampshire, hey, visit. Just Isn't that an idea? Take a vacation, go there and visit and see if it's right for you. Just fsp.org forward slash visit NH. This is an organization I have supported since 2009, and I'm going to be honest, I'm probably never going to move to New Hampshire. I'm still supporting them because I think movements for liberty anywhere are movements for liberty everywhere. It's not just about politics. There's a lot of people involved with FSP that do not vote, don't want to do with the ugly underbelly of politics. It's about a lot of things. It's about agorism. You want to learn real agorism, go tie in with these people, and you will see masters of agorism. And then maybe you can uh, pay for some of your commerce with them with a privacy coin like R. That's right, R. Pirate Chain, ticker symbol A-R-R. Draith Kata is with us today to talk to us about Pirate Chain, the ultimate privacy cryptocurrency. And with that, hey, Draith, man, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited about this. I was telling you offline that I was like, oh, boy, another cryptocurrency. Yay, joy, oh, me, and they want to promote it on my show. Great. And then I looked into Pirate Chain, and I'm freaking jazzed about what you guys are doing. It is one of the most innovative projects I have seen in crypto, and I've been you know, in the crypto space since about 2013. Uh, so I've seen a lot of stuff come and go, and I, I'm excited about this. Before we dig into Pirate Chain, though, let me just ask you a question. Like, How did you get involved in cryptocurrency in the first place? What was the attraction for you, and kind of what's your professional background that, that kind of married up with that? Yeah, so my professional background is uh, electrical engineering. Um, I've dabbled in quite a few different things, to be honest. Like, I've run several small businesses that were pretty successful, uh, including like a mechanic shop and things like that. But what drew me to crypto was just, you know, the freedom from restrictions, you know, from especially from the uh, banking world, you know, because, you know, as we all know, uh, you can't do everything you want to do with your own money. You know, you try to go to a bank and withdraw a little bit too much. You're like, oh, no, you can't do that. You know, and it's just all these issues that banks have and it's just drives me insane. So once I did a ton of research into crypto, I started mining and then from there I got involved with uh, different projects. I started mining in about 2016 and started doing a little bit of research in 2015. So, you know, before I jump in, eventually uh, a few months after the Genesis block of Pirate Chain, you know, 
I uh, started researching into that because I heard a few things about it. And then after that, I just got hooked because of, you know, the privacy aspect and just, you know, it's a community coin, fair launch, and it's just right up my alley. And then getting involved with the team and everything was just amazing. Very cool, man. So can you start off with just explaining what is Pirate, Pirate Chain? What, what is that? What, what exactly is it as far as a crypto? Sure. So Pirate Chain is what we like to consider the best of both Monero and Zcash in the sense of it's got uh, uh, privacy by default like Monero and you can't send transparent transactions. And it's got the, you know, the, uh, privacy protocol, which is widely considered the strongest of all, uh, ZK snarks of, um, Zcash, right? So based on those two factors, you know, alone, you know, Pirate Chain is, if not the most, uh, private cryptocurrency out there, it's very high up there. Now, we're also secured by something called delayed proof of work which secures our blockchain from, you know, things like 51% attacks by notarizing our blocks onto Komodo's blockchain, which is then notarized onto Bitcoin's blockchain. So in other words, if you wanted to 51% attack us, you'd have to simultaneously 51% attack Parachain, Komodo, and Bitcoin <laughs> just to reorg. Can you explain why? I understand exactly why that's important, but I've got everybody from people that know a hell of a lot more than me about crypto in this audience to people that are just starting to understand that it's even a thing. So can you explain why protection from an attack is, is important? Well, it sounds important by itself, but like what can happen if you don't have that? Well, if somebody take overtakes 51% of your chain, as far as their hash rate is concerned, meaning like mining and or so forth, you know, if they're nefarious, they can actually, reorganize blocks and double and uh, perform double spend attacks and things like that meaning they can double spend you know their uh, their coins and then make out say for example uh, I would send my coins to an exchange while performing a 51% attack it would credit that twice and I can pull money from the exchange real quick and then leave and then all of a sudden people realize oh wait there was these blocks weren't actually legit You know? it's, it's basically rapid action digital counterfeiting. Yeah, uh, pretty much, yeah. And, and it negates, I was explaining before I brought you on, one of the inherent values to cryptocurrency, one of the reasons it works is it prevents counterfeiting. That's one of the reasons that there's trust in it so we don't have to have trust so much in each other, right? We, we, can, we can do, I, I hate the term trustless transaction, but I would say limited trust transactions. Like if I send you money and I want you to send me a knife, I still have to trust that you're going to send it, but yep. you can trust that you have the money, and if you're a knife seller and you're actually marketing yourself as such and you don't send me a knife, that's going to hurt you. Most of the time, vendors are fairly trustworthy because you can't be a, a scam artist vendor for long, but if you can snake money out of an exchange, you can do that until they catch you or until they stop you. Yeah, exactly. Very cool. So how do you guys compare with you know other privacy coins? You... You mentioned, you know, Zcash and Monero, and I think some people might think, well, what, what do I need R for um, if if I could just use Monero? I mean, Monero is, is holding value well. It's very well recognized. Uh, it's kind of the thing that most people look to now and say that's 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 kind of the, the epitome of privacy. How do you guys take a different approach, or do you take a different approach, and, and what makes you guys better from just a privacy standpoint? From just a privacy standpoint, what makes us better is that we use zero-knowledge proofs versus, um, you know, uh, all the stuff that Monero uses, like bulletproofs and so forth. Because essentially with Monero, your privacy set is 11, right? Meaning that the way I like to uh, put out the analogy is, say you have 11 cups on a table, okay. right? They're flipped upside down, and then you put a dollar under one of them. Now you mix it up real good and then just, you know, push it toward the person you're giving the transaction to. And then that person knows which cup it's under. But to the outside eye, they they can't tell because there's 11 cups sitting there. I got you. Right. However, um, there are there have been plenty of attempts and, you know, so especially successful attempts from, you know, outside sources like the government or just chain analysis to decipher. OK, so. 
we realized that this cup was the correct one. Now let me trace that back to see how far I can go, you know, to see, to basically de-anonymize transactions. And they've been relatively successful with that. Whereas with Pirate Chain, for example, using zero-knowledge proofs, the analogy for that is like, okay, I have a dollar in my pocket, and then all of a sudden it appears in your pocket. There's no cups to check out. Well, right. yeah, essentially, because our anonymity set is so large, you know, it's larger than Zcash. Because I was something around like three to five percent of all Zcash transactions are shielded transactions, meaning private. Whereas, you know, ours from after the block reward, it can only be sent to uh, a shielded address, you know. And the whole reason the block reward is transparent is for accountability purposes. But I post the block reward to, say, the, the mining pool or the solo miner. After that, it has to be sent to uh, shielded addresses. So just for people to, to understand that, what he's talking about is this stuff has to come into existence, like any crypto. It, it, it's not like y'all just dumped all of it instantly on the market. It, it comes out through mining. And when you're mining and this thing becomes a, a, an R unit, it needs to be validated. But as soon as it's validated, it then goes to a receiver, and at that point, it, for all intents and purposes, vanishes from the visible universe. The person that has it knows they have it, and if they send it to somebody, the person that gets it knows they have it, but everybody else, to be blunt, can't see shit. Yeah, exactly. You look on our you look on our block explorer, all you see are a bunch of zeros, and you don't even see <laughs> the addresses. It's funny as hell. I love that. I love yeah. that. You know, like because I've always wondered exactly how you can tell me that you're truly doing something private when you can send me a transaction to look at, and even if it's confusing, if I have something to actually get my hands around, there's got to be some way to maybe figure it out. Where if I can't see anything, then good luck. Yeah. And I don't know if they'll ever figure out a way to do it. I, I mean, I don't know. Um, but what I've always said about crypto is we, for the first time in the history of humanity, have an arms race that disadvantages the state. Yep. Because a project like yours, with some guys get together and start putting something together like this that builds on what we already have, it's already damn good, by the way, um, How do you keep up with that? And, and I don't think you can because of the sheer number and, and somebody's going to hit that next kind of gold standard. And if they ever get there 10 years from now or whatever, there'll be another thing, right? Like this doesn't stop. This is a an endless game of escalation that I think because of the nimble nature of people just being able to do stuff and gain assistance through open source, etc., it becomes... It, it, it infinitely unending, and it moves always moves faster on our side than their side. Yeah. Maybe they could build a better currency if they wanted to, if they wanted to build a privacy coin. Maybe they could because they have infinite you know, money that they can pour into it. But hacking our side, that's a totally different ball of wax, man. That, good, yeah. Like I said, good luck. And as, uh, as you know, different privacy protocols come out that end up being better and things like that, they have to play catch-up now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And and the beauty is y'all can continue to evolve what you have, right, and make it more complex and more difficult. And we're going to talk about how it can interact with some other things that already do that. But before we do, what is BPSAA, and, and why should somebody listening care? Yeah, so <laughs> the BPSAA... Uh, is the Blockchain Privacy, Security, and Adoption Alliance. And the importance of that is a ton of different reasons why people should care, too. Because in crypto, if you are in crypto, you go to a ton of different projects, and they're all pigeonholed. You know, nobody really works together. Nobody really helps each other out. You know, there were things like the Z Alliance and things like that, which... You know, a bunch of different projects kind of got together and helped out each other a little bit with, you know, you know, ZK snarks and stuff, but that kind of fizzled out. So I saw an opportunity to, you know, try to unite projects because the original intent of Bitcoin was for everyone to come together to build this, you know, awesome thing. 
But then it kind of started splintering and just kept splintering even more into, you know, thousands upon thousands of different projects, you know, maybe like a thousand legit projects out of all that stuff. But, you know, but either way, you know, my idea was to basically create interoperability among projects, for especially with different protocols. Like, for example, uh, Sentinel, who has a DVPN blockchain, which is fantastic stuff you know so you have a dvpn project marrying with say pirate chain who you know created an an operating system you know the the uh uh the very very secure and easy way to you know manage your wallet and stuff in an environment that isn't windows or you know isn't normally something somebody uses and it's usb bootable but Integrating, say, the DVPN into the Pirate OS, now all of a sudden those two projects are working together and they're complementing each other's, you know, like developments. And things like, you know, Ether One with their uh, decentralized storage using IPFS, you know, putting that into Pirate's OS or Turtle Network's decentralized exchange where all of us are now integrated into that. You know, and just building on top of that to where people can see, wow, the BPSAA has all these projects that are legit projects working together for the first time ever. You know, it's it's a big thing in crypto. So, yeah, I think that there's there's just so much power in saying, well, how can this thing that we've built over here interoperably work with this thing over here? And getting the minds that were able to build those two things in the first place together in an organized manner to continue on this this mission, which it, to me is liberation. That's yeah. true liberation because I want to talk about privacy and, and why it matters here next. But the more you can do of that, like you talked about, you kind of mentioned the way this interoperability stuff works already with with using like three chains simultaneously. You know, if you want to if you want to hack those three chains to fifty one percent. I mean, the computing power to do that is astronomical, and it, it kind of has to all happen synchronously for it, for it to work. It's it would be, I don't know that it would be worth it. No. <laughs> I mean, you might start having like you know the move the f funny movies where like things start smoking because they're drawing so much power. You know, they got to turn the nuclear auxiliary on at the power plant at the Springfield power plant, the Simpsons or something. For it to even run, I mean that's that's an insane amount of power that that would take. Oh yeah. And then you guys have talked about how like you can run things with Tor. I understand. Like I was listening to one of your other interviews, and you guys were talking about how you have some things going where there'll be uh, like a, a point of sale type technology where a person accepting R doesn't even really need to understand or even know that they're doing it. Yeah. So that's something that the BPSA is actually going to be working on. Um, essentially what my vision of it is, is where, you know, you have all the BPSAA members included in the point of sale, plus say Bitcoin, Litecoin, so forth, you know, the major coins. And, um, what happens is to, especially to say, avoid certain regulations in countries where you can't actually accept crypto. The way I see it happening is you can say, have the user spend pirate chain at a store via just scanning the other, the store's app. And then the store in their settings can say, okay, I actually want to accept just, you know, my native fiat. Hmm. Okay. So basically that R gets sent to an exchange, sold, and then converted to USDT to that person's account. And there you go. Then now they have, they can withdraw to their native fiat. Because they're now, sitting in a stable coin immediately. Yep. Now, the beauty of this, right, is that since the user is spending pirate chain, their side is anonymous. Mm. So they don't know who purchased what at that store through just, you know, the currency, like, for example, you would with uh, a debit card, right? So I can, you could send pirate chain through that system and then purchase your things anonymously in store. So there's KYC, but KYC is the vendor. Yeah. Can you tell your customer on the other side is is an ether of nothingness. It it's a lot like that 
that user went in there and spent paper money in a way that that vendor has an obligation to record that transaction as a sale and any profit or loss or whatever on it. But the, the guy, when you go spend 20 bucks down at the cafeteria, it, no one knows who you are or needs to know who you are, and that $20 bill is just a $20 bill. I would say that $20 cash bill with Andrew Jackson on it is more traceable than R, though, because it oh, does absolutely. have a serial number, right? So like, you, you can at least have some knowledge of where that bill's been, where it came from, where it went. Where what and you're talking about, I walk in and I swoop, I'm a ghost. Yeah, and, you know, the dollar, you know, you have to hold that $20 bill, so yeah. it's got your fingerprints on it and your DNA. <laughs> yeah, I, I've always said I, ha I don't own any cryptocurrency at all. I don't own mm -hmm. shit. I have knowledge of some numbers. Those numbers exist whether I have knowledge of them or not. Right, I, I don't actually hold or have possession of anything other than some knowledge, yeah. and that See, is that's a very that's that's very different of mindset. I think that's like I've tried to expose people to that concept because I I don't really want us out telling the world we have money. I really want to say we have knowledge. Uh, yeah. Because I don't want to go to that war with the state. Because now I'm making a statement that I possess something, and, and now I've publicly gone on record with that. I, I'm much more comfortable saying I have some knowledge, and I'll, I'll trade you some knowledge for some other things. Well, the beauty of Pirate Chain, too, is that I can actually say whether or not I do own any Pirate Chain, nobody will know. <laughs> that's, that's true. Yeah, you said you own some. We'll prove it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I, if anything, I could be like Fluffy Pony and lose all of it in a boating accident. So yeah, can I, <laughs> I, I've often said, you know, yeah, I, I did, and I lost my keys. Can I write that off as a loss now? I, I right? <laughs> Isn't that a capital loss? It's catastrophic so. on my end. I don't know. It went down with the guns in the boat, like you said. You know, it just <laughs> I don't know. A Trezor wallet caught on fire. I don't have a backup for it. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I mean, like. Yeah, it makes me think of when like Bitcoin really first started taking off, and the government didn't understand it at all. And like people at airline securities were saying, like, "Well, if you have Bitcoin, show them to me." <laughs> uh, really? You know, because they'd see somebody like a Bitcoin sticker or something. Where's your Bitcoins? I go away. You don't understand. Like, I can't even begin to get down to your level to explain this to you if I wanted to. Like, yeah. you want to search for them here? Go ahead. You know, I'm getting on a plane. I already know you're going to search for it. Good luck. Go, go, yeah, whatever. What I've always loved about crypto, and one of the things I explained as an early adopter was, no matter what it is, if you are using, you know, a crypto wallet and it has a phrase, you could conceivably memorize it. I don't recommend that that's what you rely on, but you could conceivably memorize it, delete all instances of it, get on an airplane, land in France, download the wallet, stick the phrase in, and it's there. Yeah. And I don't even care if it's a public currency. You know, When I say public, I mean vi highly visible like Bitcoin. That's still an amazing ability and capability. Now, you add an, the, the anonymous nature of pirate chain to that, that's pretty compelling story to, to value. And I, I'm really trying to convey to people who are resistant to crypto because it's, you know, you get the tulip mania stuff and all. It's like, guys, we've been doing this 15 years now. Yeah. This idea that it's just all going to dry up and go away someday, it needs to go away. Um, but that's one of the inherent values. That's one of the intrinsic values, this portability and inaccessibility. Because even if the government knows, well, Jack Jack knows some numbers for Bitcoin. If they don't know those numbers, okay, get it. Go for it. Yeah. Good luck. Like <laughs> I said, then you add this anonymous component. Yeah. I If I own some, some pirate chain... Please find it for me because I'd like to know. <laughs> now let's, let's, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing, to be honest, man, when it comes to, say, just crypto in general, what turns people off is just the – it's just the – it's not easy to use. And yes. it's not easy to, you know, understand a lot of the concepts, you know. And the way I like to talk about it is – We need to reach a level of adoption to where crypto is, in a sense, like a credit card. In the way that, you know, people, anybody can use a credit card. You just swipe it. You're done. Yeah. But if you ask people, well, how does it work in the background? 
most of them will have no earthly idea. And that's the level of adoption that we need and the level of easiness to achieve. Yeah, I completely agree. Let's talk a little bit about privacy and why it's actually important. Um, I don't usually share the quote of the day with the guests, but I'm going to do it here. I don't know if you've ever heard of Bruce Schneer, but he's a, an American technologist and cryptologist. And he, he said, privacy is an inherent human right and a requirement for maintaining the human condition with dignity and respect. And Absolutely. I try to find quotes that match the show, and I say, boy, that's a home run. I mean, to me, privacy is is beyond just about anything else in the world when we talk about liberty, because if you take that away, I don't have liberty anymore. How can I have liberty if I don't have a right to simply be left alone? I mean, to me, it's like the most fundamental human right is the right to be left alone. Yeah. And the other thing, too, man, is that privacy is freedom. Because if you're if you're constantly monitored, you're not going to be your true self. You know, because you're going to act in a way that makes sure that whoever's viewing you, it's, you know, it's uh, up to their standard or it's what they want to see, not what you actually want to do. You know, so by having privacy especially financial privacy, you know, it allows you that component of freedom to do what you want to do without having any sort of criticism in your own home or anything of that sort. Well, I mean, there was a reason that is as flawed as I actually think the United States Constitution is and nowhere near restrictive enough of government that it was seen right away, right from the beginning, that people had a right to privacy in their, 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 you know, in their papers and their plays. And we have entered a world where that just doesn't exist anymore. You can say whatever you need about they need a warrant or whatever. What they can do right now to know your life is unbelievable. That's why people have gone out and like, oh, gee, I'm going to get into hydroponics and grow lettuce in my, my kitchen or whatever. And next thing you know, doors getting kicked in with a, with a, with a no-knock warrant. And it's because they've researched their purchasing habits and they screwed up and, and, and like didn't know what they were actually doing. And then a judge turns around and says, well, that's okay. They have every right to do that. Yeah. And, and so if you think you have privacy without shielding your transactions, you do not. And you never will until you figure out how to do it. And I don't think it's as hard as people think. Like I do onboard people with very public services like get a Jack's wallet, go to Coinbase, buy a couple hundred bucks worth of Bitcoin, send it to yourself, shapeshift it, figure some stuff out, and just start using it instead of buy a whole bunch and hope you get rich, right? But then it's yeah. like very quickly, let's move beyond that. Let's just show you how this is not that hard. I've said to people like, yeah, obviously I don't think R is in the Jack's wallet. I checked and I didn't see it there. But no, not yet. Not yet. I'd love to see it show up. But like, okay, so you can go download this free piece of software. You have a website. You sell something. Just say you take crypto. And initially, if you want it to be between you, the person you're doing it with, and the fence post, just say if you want to buy with crypto, click here to tell me. And then send them a freaking encrypted email. Here, send it to this address and I'll send you your thing. Like, and you, you don't have to have a third party vendor. You can like start doing that tomorrow morning if you sell or do anything. If you're a handyman and you, you, you do services, just tell people when you quote them a job. You know, I'll take, even if you need cash for materials, I'll take my labor portion in crypto if you want to do that. Just start using the stuff because it's not as hard as people think it is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing too is that, you know, as PirateChain, we've been focusing heavily on, you know, store adoption online. So as of right now, you can pay for, you know, hosting services or, you know, apparel or several different things uh, in different categories with just straight up PirateChain, you know? And that's great. I mean, I know that when, when Bitcoin first kind of started to take off, that was my like, okay, so, what can I buy with it? That was my first question. What yeah. is this supposed to be money? What can I do with it? And at the time, it was mostly things like web hosting and whatever because it's a non-material product. I can afford to sell it to you for something I'm not 100% sure yet. And like most crypto goes through kind of that evolution. That's kind of where it starts. But right now, I can pay for anything with Bitcoin. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. 
And it sounds like some of your projects are going to make a rug pay for anything with, with R. Yeah, that's the, and that's the goal too, is to where alleviate the concerns of the business owner, you know, because with the volatility of crypto in general, you know, you could have $20 in, you know, say a currency today and then tomorrow is worth four, you know, just because, yeah. oh, oh no, the price of Bitcoin went down, you know, mm-hmm. so. By having the ability to just instantly convert to, say, a native fiat or the stable coin or whatever, it alleviates the concern of volatility on the actual store owner as well as, you know, makes it easy for them to do all this stuff, you know. And so the goal is to basically have as little interaction as possible with the store owner. And then at the end of the day, they can just say, okay, withdraw. And it just goes straight to their bank account. Done. See, and this is valuable to the, the 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 customer as well because the customer can quickly convert if, if that process is available from a stable coin to R. So they can if they don't want to hold all their wealth in R or Bitcoin or or whatever, they can hold some portion of that money because I hold some crypto. I also don't have all my money in crypto. I don't think that's a smart thing. Um, so being able to, okay, since I want this transaction to be invisible, I'm going to move something to do that with. That, that's mm-hmm. incredibly valuable on both sides. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because the vendor doesn't give a shit. The vendor just wants their money. I mean, I, yep. I totally understand that. Um, what about people that say we have to have transparent ledgers in a, in a blockchain? Is, is it important? Um, it is in certain cases, yes. There should be privacy for you know individuals and things like that but when it comes to certain things like if for example um voting right we want to make sure that you know the votes that are on that are on the blockchain that are legit instead of versus hey it's private only the government has keys to see this chain to see the results and we just have to trust it you know So, I, I think that's in our future is blockchain-enabled voting because look at the freaking shit-can mess we're looking at right now in this country. <laughs> oh, it's just a – like, nobody – no matter how this comes out, whoever wins, the other side will say they got screwed. And at this point, there is a legitimate reason for them to feel that way. And it doesn't matter which way it goes, they're going to feel that way. If you had what you're talking about, well, you could have 8,000 people auditing it at the same time. Yeah. Exactly. And, I mean, the crazy thing is, is that this system that we're using to vote in general is just so outdated. Like, there's no, like, there's no improvements they could have made between the 70s and now. Because, yeah. like, we're still using paper ballots and shit. Yeah. Like, what yeah. the hell? Yeah. Or they're using uh, electronics, but, you know, some nine-year-old kid walks in and in five minutes they've hacked it. <laughs> right? Like, that's just like, okay, come on. Right? So you're going up against Boris, the, the invincible hacker from Russia, supposedly, and, and nine-year-old Naomi from the charter school just hacked your shit in five minutes. <laughs> you know, and that's, I'm not even making that up. That's an oh, actual no. thing. Well, I know you know, but I'm saying for people listening today, like, I'm not pulling that out of my ass, guys. That actually happened, you know, quite a while ago, actually. Oh, yeah. I mean, her name wasn't Naomi, but it, it was something to that effect. Like, it was like that simple. Like, here's this kid. Look at this. Check this shit out. You know? And it wasn't like some super hacker kid with a 190 IQ or something. It was like some random computer kid that just likes computers. <laughs> uh, yeah, you guys are doing great. It's yeah, so We trust you so much. <laughs> And that's what I think. Like, yeah, if you use blockchain in this publicly auditable fashion – you can take trust into a place where there's actually no reason for us to trust them. Like I have, I, I, I'm from Pennsylvania. I don't live there. I left a long time ago, but like Pennsylvania has got ground zero with this fight right now. And I trust Pennsylvania, uh, especially the Philadelphia area when it comes to elections about as much as I trust tap water from Tijuana. In fact, I would, I trust the tap water in Tijuana more because I know <laughs> what I'm dealing with. And, and so like, if you could make this where it's, I think that's a good use for it, but when somebody buys my membership for 50 bucks a year and they send me Bitcoin cash or something, they're like, here's the, you know, the transaction number. So you can, I don't give a shit. 
I don't. All I care is, okay, I open my wallet, it turned green. I know that's the transaction because I don't get a thousand of them a day, right? Yeah. Like, I just talked to this dude. I said, send this. It came to that address. It's 50 bucks. Boom, there's your account. It, it's that simple. I, I don't need to see a public blockchain, that, and neither do you, and neither does anybody else. No one else needs to see that. Yeah. And if we're going to do something, we can. Like, let's say we have a, you and I want to do some sort of partnership, and we need to be able to prove we did it. Well, then we're just not using R for that. We're using Ethereum or something else. Um, no, actually, oh, you can. Okay. How do you Because, do that? So there's these things called view keys, right? Oh. That you can generate a view key for a transaction or for a wallet to show anybody and or to basically give that view key to somebody to show them, okay, this is proof that I did all this, 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 and this. Without actually giving them your private keys. Okay. So it's in the user's hands to actually give that to somebody rather than that person automatic anybody having that ability to see that transaction. You know what I mean? Oh, I get it. So it's disclosable if you wish to disclose it, but it's not like, you know, Dash where did you use or did you not use coin mixing, like that type of thing. It's like... It's straight up, here you can see it, because I said you could see it. In, in a lot of ways, it's like, of course I could show you the transaction in my wallet if you were sitting next to me, but I'm giving mm -hmm. you like a remote viewing capability. That's what I'm getting out of this. Yep. Okay, cool. That's so actually it, really it gives, cool. It gives power and privacy back to the user. That's so. badass. So what are some of the things people can do to protect their privacy? Uh, obviously, using R would be one of them, but... Yeah, but I mean, in general, just use a VPN. You know, that's the most basic thing you can do. Because, I mean, it encrypts your data, and then you can connect to remote servers around the world, depending on which ones you use and so forth. And, you know, it especially if you use a public network, you know. I mean, on private networks, I still suggest it, obviously, because, like I said, it encrypts your data from prying eyes. But especially if you're out and about, like, say, for example, using your cell phone, right? Or, you know, using your laptop and connecting to, which uh, it bothers me just thinking about it, like an airport Wi-Fi, mm -hmm. you know? Always, always, always use a VPN. And, you know, just know where you're going online. You know, just don't click on random links. Just, you know, there's a lot of things you can do, but the most basic thing you can do is just download and use a VPN always. Very cool. Um, what are some of your upcoming developments? I, like I said, I listened to a few interviews you did with other people, and it got me excited. So let's talk about some of the things you guys have coming. Yeah, so uh, a while ago we fundraised to integrate I2P, which is the Invisible Internet Project. Uh, think of it as, in my opinion, a better version of Tor. Okay. Um, that's something that's uh, going to take quite a while. It's one of our medium to longer term projects just because of the amount of stuff that needs to be done and researched for that matter. So um, that's continually going on. I mean, I maybe have a timetable, maybe six to eight months, something like that from now. So eventually that'll get integrated. We're working on a thing called Pirate Pay, which uh, is a standalone plugin for WordPress and eventually pretty much every other type of CMS out there to where you can just install it, run your own wallet if you want to, and then accept Pirate Chain as a payment rather than, say, using um, uh, cryptocurrency checkout, which is fantastic, by the way, because it's not custodial, um, meaning that there's no middleman, you know. So if I were, if the, when the address comes up on my screen to pay with Pirate Chain or whatever other currency they accept and I send it, it goes directly to the wallet of the store owner, you know. Um, so we have Pirate Pay coming out sometime in the new future. It's in beta right now. Um, we have the subatomic DEX, which is like atomic swaps, but for uh, Z addresses, stuff like that. We have, um, we're going to be developing soon another version of our operating system, which will be like a full-on operating system that's sandboxed. So basically if something happens to one of your instances, like for, Say, example, um, some piece of software you're using on it, it's only the only affected area is within that sandbox, so just that software. 
it can affect your other uh, things that you're running, like, for example, your wallet. And we'll be integrating, you know, the BPSA members into there, so you'll be able to trade using TNDEX or Polarity. Uh, you'll be able to use decentralized storage with Ether1 and the uh, Sentinel's DVPN and so forth. So that's another piece that we're developing. Um, and uh, we actually applied for a grant through the BPSAA to get funding for that to make it as best as uh, make it the best thing possible. Um, oh man, there's so much going on. It's crazy. So. Very cool. I mean, your your long term goals are actually to make BPSAA a major influence in in the entire crypto space, right? Absolutely, yeah. Can you talk about maybe some ways you plan to do that, or you know? Yeah, sure. So, um, first things first, the way that it's set up is so that every project within the BPSAA has a say in who gets inducted, right? So we have you know, quite a few applications that came in in the past month or so that. We're reviewing, we're interviewing, and so forth. And when you know every every all our questions are answered and things like that, it comes down to a vote among all the projects within already in the BPSA that say yes, let's bring them in, or uh, maybe another time. You know, so as more projects get onboarded, you know, we develop more interoperability opportunities so that you know we can make bigger products and make it so that it's easy for non-crypto people to use, you know, because the biggest thing is, is that, you know, that we want to hit not only the crypto sphere, but we want to hit outside of that too. So bringing people in with easy to use products and services to where it allows them to enhance their privacy or, you know, become private by, you know, using, certain payment methods or certain applications, things like that, and making everything open source too, you know, to where people can see, wow, these products are legit. I can actually audit them myself if I wanted to. And, you know, things like that. And be, basically become the standard of uh, cooperation among projects. If people like what they're hearing and they want to get a hold of some R, again, a ticker symbol, R, A-R-R-R, <laughs> Are there exchanges where they can, can, can pick this up? I mean, I checked on Bittrex because um, I have an account there, and it's always easy to start where you already have an account, and I didn't see yeah. you guys listed. Um, maybe you are. Maybe Sometimes I don't find things that are there for some weird reason, but uh, how can people actually get their hands on some R other than saying, hey, pay me an R? Yeah, you can go to our website, pirate.black slash exchanges, and check out all the exchanges we're on there. So, for example, Coinex or... You know, uh, Turtle, TNDEX, Polarity, uh, Trade Ogre, and several others. You know, and then on top of that, the other cool thing with the BPSAA is the fact that, you know, we, be, we can become a backing company to our members. In other words, when we've applied, like, as Pirate Chain, we've applied to about 60 to 70 different exchanges, right? Okay. And a lot of them say, well, what, uh, what's your company name? What's this? What's that? And we're like, well, we're a community project. We can't, we're not an actual company. But as the, as the BPSAA, we can become that backing company, meaning that we can actually get listed on a lot of the higher tier exchanges. So soon, probably within the next, say, six to eight weeks, I'll say, we can start applying to bigger name exchanges and become more available to the average user. That's badass. What do you see as the future, though, with exchanges that are, you know, fully, I want to say above board because I don't think that's the right term, but playing ball with Uncle Sam? Because for all the governments that hate cryptocurrency, the most invasive government in the world into finance of the individual citizen is the United States of America. Um, so, like, when I got on Bitrix, I had to make, you know, two photos of my ID up back in front and prove I was who I said I was and give them all kinds of information so that if the government says we want this, you know, with a warrant, we want this guy's stuff, they can give it to him. And they don't like what you're doing. I shared a meme today on social media, the one with the knight, and it, you know, it was <laughs> like, uh, you know, the Fed, the Fed offering a, a bounty for people that can hack uh, Monero. And then the, the next thing was the knight with an arrow right through the slit in his armor into his eye. 
and it, you know, and it said pirate chain. I mean, and that's that's with what you're doing. That's the truth. It's like, hey, screw you. You're not getting anywhere with this. Like, do you see these? Like, some of these exchanges are starting to delist privacy coins and things like that. Do you think there'll always be a way to have the liquidity that's necessary to keep something functional? Oh yeah, things like decentralized exchanges that you know you own your own keys, you know, and ones that are just uh, automated. Like for example, um, you know, with the subatomic decks, you know, you can easily trade with people on there. I mean, it's in proof of concept right now. Yeah, proof of concept phase right now, but. You know, you'll be able to easily trade with other users on there for pretty much whatever you want. And on top of that, like, there's always going to be decentralized exchanges that won't have KYC. Now, I do see a place for centralized exchanges in the future for, like, institutional users and things mm-hmm. like that. But for the average user, I foresee them migrating over to decentralized exchanges in the near future. So yeah, I, and I think massive. that we need to kind of explain more to the market that, like, exchanges are not just so you can trade currency and make money in the trade, right? Like, exchange is so that I can decide how I want to use my wealth in the next transaction. So mm-hmm. if, if I go to you and I'm like, hey, I want to buy whatever you're selling, and you're like, okay, well, what do you want to pay with? And I'm like, do you accept R? And you're like, yes, I do. At that point, if I don't have enough to buy, I need a way to convert to that because I want to use that currency now. Yeah. And, and, and I think we need to start understanding that's that's one of the primary values of an exchange. It's not just a bunch of day traders. I have no problem with day trading. If that's what you want to do, go ahead. But the real need there is so that, oh, for this transaction, I have no problem using Bitcoin Cash. It's got low fees. I don't care if somebody sees it. But this transaction, I don't want to. So I need to get some of my Bitcoin Cash in R. Like, that is what really needs And I think that is where the decentralized exchange really shines. Oh, yeah. That and uh, swap services, for example. Oh, I love swap services. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's, a, there's quite a few of them out there. And as long as you don't, you know, throw in, like, you know, $500,000, you know, in most cases, you're fine. You know, just easily just throw it in there. Yeah, it takes a little bit of time to do, but in the end result, you get exactly what you really want. And then you can start using it wherever you want. So, I mean, eventually I'm hoping that those services become a lot faster. Yeah. Which I, I foresee that happening over time. But, I mean, yeah, waiting sometimes 10 to 30 minutes, yeah, it's a pain, but in the end result, you still get what you want, so... Yeah, yeah. I mean, like Shapeshift is a perfect example of that. That's part of why I like Jacks. It, it's it's there. And it's, yeah. I had a guy the other day. I want to play pay in Augur. I don't want to hold Augur, but sure, whatever. Yeah. And I, I might wait three or four days before it turns into Bitcoin Cash or whatever, but I don't care. I, again, I'm back to I don't I don't give a crap as long as I get paid and as long as I got confidence I'm going to get paid. That's a that's a huge. Thing in being able to do that, and 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 I don't lose the anonymity of that transaction because even though it's on a public blockchain or whatever, when that person said I want to pay in, in rep, I generated an address and sent it to them. It was back channel. Could could the NSA track that down if they really wanted to? Sure. Are they probably going to do it over a forty eight dollar fifty cent transaction? Probably not. They have other things to do. Yeah. And, and, and that's what I love about. And then if you add a swap service to something like are okay well again you're i'm back to good luck because even if they know like okay well this was your bitcoin cash it turned into r what'd you do with it none of your business yeah exactly because and the cool it's it, I, as far as they know i still have that knowledge not that money that knowledge right i mean i didn't necessarily spend it i have every right to change the form of it and by the way yeah. i lost money on that trade so uh, there's my deduction this year since yeah. you, since I wasn't going to claim it, but since you nosed around in it, okay, fine, I lost money on it. <laughs> you guys owe me five bucks. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> and the cool thing too is that not only does Pirate Chain offer you know complete privacy, but you know it offers other chains privacy too. When you think about it, because the moment you start trading, say, say you have some Ethereum, you can trade for R, and now all of a sudden you have privacy. You know, by having those type of pairs to where you can trade for R, 
it offers you privacy because after that point, nobody knows what happens to the R. Nobody can see your wallet. Nobody knows how much you have, and nobody knows where it went. That's a good point because let's say you have Ethereum, and I like Ethereum, and I want Ethereum, but I don't want anybody to know that you sent me Ethereum. Well, you can convert to R, send me R, and I can convert back to Ethereum. And essentially, we traded Ethereum, and you were this tunnel in R that made that transaction invisible. Yeah, that that can be that can definitely happen too. Yeah, it's limited only by your mind. I think is 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 the the thing with crypto today, dude. I am really psyched about what you guys are up to. Um, I I have a feeling that this interview will generate some questions, so we'll see how that works out. Sometimes we end up with a flurry coming in and we have a guest back on. You're, if you got something new coming or whatever, you're welcome to come back anytime. Main website people need to check out for you is going to be pirate.black. And you guys are squared away. A lot of times I ask for social media and people send me nothing in the, the thing. Y'all send me everything, Discord, Twitter, Telegram, Facebook. I got all of it in the show notes for today's episode. Which, let me check so I don't screw this up with as many as I've done now. Episode 2767. Y'all go by the website. You can uh, look up all of those resources and, and hook up with these guys. Definitely follow them on social media. And, uh, dude, thank you for being with us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I love this conversation. You know, for all the predictions I make, I usually end up being in the, about the 80 to 90th percentile of being right on my predictions. Uh, and in spite of that, I do not often say I told you so, but when it comes to Pirate Chain uh, being a unique privacy crypto that does things that nothing else out on the in, in the space does right now in a way that is truly innovative and truly beneficial to people, I told you so. I told you so. And, and Drave is just a good dude. I told him in our off-mic conversation after this was over, if he ever wants to come back on TSP, Let me know. And if he has some information that's like short-term information, just like something needs to be announced, let me know. Um, I really believe that our quote of the day really hit, hit the ball out of the park for a quote of the day. Privacy is an inherent human right. And so if somebody is enabling privacy in the world of commerce, they are working to further an inherent human right. And that's a good thing. For everyone. Anyway, as we wrap up today, I wanted to let you guys know about the TSPAZ, the TSPAZ item of the day today. This is a much bigger ticket item than I usually have on TSPAZ. And it's not something that everybody should just run out and get. But if you have not yet added to your preparations a large generator, this is probably a good time to consider getting one. This is uh, I brought you guys this. It was such a good deal, same price, back when I was on vacation, that I did a blog post about it while I was on vacation. To get me to do anything related to business when I'm on vacation is a hard thing. To get me to do it voluntarily without anybody asking is really hard. It has to be a good deal. This is the case with this Briggs & Stratton generator. This is the uh, Briggs & Stratton P4500 PowerSmart Series Inverter Generator. It gives you 4,500 starting watts, 3,700 running watts. And I've said that the biggest mistake I ever made in my prepping, when I started really getting into prepping, was I didn't immediately invest in a large generator. And the reason I say it was my biggest mistake wasn't that it really cost me, but once I did it, it is the prep that I have relied on and been bailed out by the most over the entire period of time, 13 years almost, that I've been doing TSP. It's the one that the first time you use it, you are so glad you have it, you don't know what to do with yourself. And when you have a generator that's big enough that at least you can throw you know, a, a part of the house, you can throw a window unit air conditioner. We have like the R2-D2 ones that roll around and you just open a window and stick them in there. Like the fact that you can do that when it's 120 degrees out in the middle of Texas summer, big deal. Big deal. Um, the, I don't own this generator. One of the few items that I bring around on T-SPAS that, that I don't own. The reason I'm bringing it is because it's such a good deal. Um, it has been signed off on as a great generator by Sean Mills, and I trust Sean's opinion of things like this hugely. The price is amazing. $850 for a generator like this. The closest equivalent Honda to it would be the EU 3000. 
and it costs you about $3,000 versus $850. To me, this is the Honda killer. This is a slayer of the Honda, like vampire slayer stake to the heart. And here's why. Is it as good as the Honda? No. It's probably about 90% as good. Eight, call it 85 if you want to. For 38% of the price. And it gives you about 35% more power available because it has more running watts. It's almost as quiet. There's a 2 dB difference in the, the noise when it's running a load at half load. 2 dBs. 2 dBs, if I was speaking in 2 dBs right now into the microphone, you would not be able to hear it if you turned your shit all the way up and put your hands over your, your headphones. You wouldn't be able to hear it. It's that quiet. That's, that's how little the difference is. If you bought, here's how, here's how I call it the complete slayer of the Honda EU3000. If you bought two of them today for $850, that would be $1,700, which would save you $1,300 over one Honda, and you would have 7,400 total running watts. You have redundancy because if one has a breakdown or something, you still have another generator. If you have something going on where you kind of need two generators in two different places, you can do that. If you need more power, you've got it. Um, it there, I could not recommend a Honda EU2, EU3000 uh, over this generator with a good conscience. Again, it ain't for everybody. I am so tempted to have a fourth generator right now and buy one of these at this price, though. I'm not because, like I said, it's not just you don't. It's not such a good deal. You just go buy it because it's such a good deal. But if you have not yet shored this up, and what I recommend everybody to do when it comes to your preps, one of your first investments is a big generator, something that can run refrigerator, air conditioner, lots of lights, all that stuff. Next, get a small generator as a, a redundancy backup, and then if you have the, the budget and the means, get another sizable generator, or if you don't, get another small generator, because that way you have a lot of power availability and a lot of redundancy. Is this the best generator you can buy? No. Is this the best generator you can buy for $850? In my opinion, absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. So check it out. And remember, it doesn't matter what you buy if you start your online shopping at tspaz.com. And we talked about cryptocurrency today. I have added to tspaz.com a link to spend a bit. And uh, you can shop thousands of merchants using cryptocurrency there as well through tspaz.com. No matter what you buy, when you shop tspaz.com, you help us out by starting there. All right, with that, let's go ahead and wrap things up with our song of the day today. It is Waylon Jennings Week, and I said on Monday's show that it was one of my favorite Waylon Jennings songs, but it wasn't my favorite Waylon Jennings, Jennings songs. I bet a lot of y'all thought you knew what my favorite Waylon Jennings song was, and I bet you you were wrong. Today's song is my favorite Waylon song of all time, and it's called Rose in Paradise. I love this song. I love the storyline in it. I love the sound of it. I love everything about it. I love the chorus. It is pure wailing to me, and I don't think it's most many people's favorite wailing song. But it, to me, it's just great. I also love the story behind it. The story behind it is not actually the story in it. The, the guys that wrote it had a story about a guy that lived where one of them lived, or a woman that lived where one of them lived, and she had five husbands, and all five of the husbands died under mysterious circumstances. They actually tried to say she killed them, but they were never able to convict her, and eventually she left. It was like one of those spooky stories, and the, the ghosts of these dudes are there. Well, of course, in the song, it's kind of flipped around where the guy meets this beautiful woman, and she's his rose, but she comes kind of his captive. And then... She's gone, and no one knows why. One of the best songs by Waylon Jennings, in my opinion, and my favorite. And, hey, I'd like to know, what is your favorite Waylon Jennings song? And will we pay it, play it this week? We'll see. Uh, we have a really great lineup. With that's been Jack. Oh, by the way, tomorrow you're going to get a kind of a cool show. It's pulled out of a video that I did. Because I'm going to be fishing, because I have a debt due to a guy that's come here to help me get ready for the event, and it involves a fishing trip. So you're going to get a unique show tomorrow, but you will get a Will and Jennings song at the end of it. One that you're going to be like, wow, that's Will and Jennings. I'm like, yeah, it sure is. With that, this has been Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast.
was a flower for the taking Her beauty cut just like a knife He was a banker from Macon Stole the lover all his life Bought her a mansion on a mountain With a formal garden and a lot of land But paradise became her prison That Georgia banker was a jealous man Every time you talk about her You can see the fire in his eyes You say, I would walk through hell on Sunday To keep my rose in paradise Hired a man to tend the garden To keep an eye on her while he was gone Some say they ran away together Some say that gardener left alone Now the banker is an old man That mansion's crumbling down All day and stares at the garden Not a trace of her was ever found Every time he talks about her You can see the fire in his eyes He says, I would walk through hell on Sunday To keep my rose in paradise Now there's a rose out in the garden Its beauty cuts just like a knife They say it even grows in the wintertime And blooms in the dead of the night 